Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunchy Enthusiast over at Sockbone Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. It is time to grab the biscuits with the boss, your tea or your water, maybe a whiskey, a triple shot, especially after this week's episode, because it is time to get into Ted Lasso season three, episode three, titled 451. Now, I feel like a complete, this is your language warning, because you cannot have Ted Lasso without Roy Kent and Jamie Tart. Uh, well, and Rebecca this episode for sure. Uh, anyway, I feel like a complete twat because for two episodes, I have been talking about how I didn't know if this was the final season of Ted Lasso or like if they were going to do a season four because I I felt very 50-50 about the whole thing. Um, and then almost directly after I uploaded the second episode recap, I saw a TikTok, which led me to an article that this is, in fact, according to Jason Sudeikis and, and I think Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent, the final season of this iteration of Ted Lasso. Like, this was a story that they had a three-season arc of, and that was what they intended it to be, and that's what it's going to be. However, they have been talking about spinoffs is the impression that I got from that episode or from that article. So yeah, now I'm even more so watching for all of the callbacks to both seasons one and two, but the parallels between the episodes from like season one, episode three to season three, episode three, because there have already been parallels from the season opener to the season three opener with Ted just standing in the shower letting water run down his face and stuff. So I love it. I, I love the care and attention that they put into it. But anyway, I just wanted to address that because I had been saying it. Honestly, I don't know how I didn't actually see the article before the episodes, but I just want to say now that I have seen it. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, this is the final season of Ted Lasso, you know, short and sweet, but also... If Grey's Anatomy can go on for whatever season they're in now, can we just continue on? Anyway, we have a lot to talk about. We get behind the whole Jake revelation from the end of episode one. Michelle, honestly, very much on my shit list now. Like, I I didn't fully hate her. Now I hate her. Oh, I hate her so much. Of all the men, Michelle. Anyway, we're going to talk about it. Zava has officially arrived. He has joined. It's time to get into the episode. Like I said, grab those biscuits with the boss. I just realized Easter is next weekend. My family is obsessed with biscuits with the boss. Absolutely no one else watches Ted Lasso in my family, but I have been bringing the shortbread biscuits the last couple of holidays as one of my desserts because I bring multiples. And I think for Easter, I'm just going to bring an assortment of shortbreads. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, grab those biscuits. Let's get into it. We have a lot to talk about about episode three of Ted Lasso season three, four, five, one. We start the episode with Colin, actually. I was not expecting that. Although as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, yay, Colin. I don't know if Twitter knew ahead of time that the episode was going to be based about Colin because I had just seen a tweet saying 
oh, before the show is over, I want an episode detailing this man's life. And then it kind of happened. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if that was a coincidence. I don't know. He is naked in bed. Um, oh, what's it called? Um, Out of My Head by Fastball is playing. And then he gets up. He puts on boxer briefs walks out the room is pretty messy and walks out to a man who is making him coffee. Colin says he doesn't do caffeine. The man says, right, your body is a temple. And Colin says, well, I don't know about that. More like a church at an airport. I don't know why, but I love that. Like, my body, my body is a temple. The church at an airport kind of temple, but a temple nonetheless. Um, the stranger says, it's big day for Richmond. And Colin says, I thought you didn't know anything about football. And he goes, Oh, I don't. But I know who Zava is. They kiss. I screamed because I love this for Colin. We know from season two, one. Now I'm going to get them mixed up. Uh, but anyway, when Keely. Is it season two? Yeah, it's season two. Uh, when Keely gets them the banter deal. And she's describing banter in the locker room. He says, oh, it's kind of like Grinder." What I'm going to come to realize from this episode is that apparently everyone doesn't know that Colin's gay. Or it's just not talked about. Um, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I thought we all knew it. Uh, but I'm very happy for Colin. He... Um, walks out. So he tells the man, have a safe flight. Um, you know, I'll see you later. They, that's when they kiss. Colin leaves. He gets into his Lamborghini. The man tells him, he goes, okay, safe driving. He knows him so well. That is a callback to season one when Colin has the Lamborghini, which he already had. And he's like, it's too much car for me. I don't even know how to drive it. And everyone tells Ted, like, he doesn't know how to drive this car. And Colin gets into his Lambo, closes the door, and he says his ultimate line, his mantra, I am a strong and capable man, starts the car, the credits song starts to run and then Colin runs into the trash bins and and then the credits stop rolling and um he says bollocks and then the credits actually start up and that's how we start the episode it is welcoming day for Zava and Nelson Road fans media everyone's there my new personal favorite uh, journalist Sarah right up there front and center. I just love that they brought in a Sarah for season three. Uh, I don't know why, but I guess they've realized that when because Sarah was the most popular name in the late 80s, that we're now in our 30s. So now all the time on Hallmark, I'm seeing characters named Sarah. Uh, and now here we have a Sarah. And it's just, it's nice. They're kind of like, oh, okay, let's start putting in the names that we know people are going to recognize. Uh, so anyway, I love it. I was happy to see Sarah right up there front and center. Uh, in the coach's office, they're looking over the board of the 452 plan. And Ted says, if my maths, and he looks at Roy and Roy grunts in the affirmative because in England, they call it maths with an S at the end instead of math. Uh, and he says, are corrects, Roy Grunts know. Ted says, we're going to have to sit someone. It pans out. Trent is also there. I love this. Trent has unofficially, officially-ish become the new Diamond Dog member now that Nate has left. 
I love this. Especially because it was Trent that outed the fact that it was Nate that betrayed Ted. Not in, not even in a, Trent, Trent didn't do it in a malicious way. Um, but where Nate was, you know, like a wolf in sheep's clothing, he was the snake within the Diamond Dog group there towards the end. Now we have Trent and Trent goes to Ted and says, I had to print the article, but I want you to know it was Nate. Uh, and then he quits and he goes to Ted again. Well, he had texted that to Ted. And then he tells Ted like, yeah, well, I quit because I didn't want to do that. And I, you know, they fired. Well, he said I quit because, you know, they were going to fire me for outing a source. And Ted says, well, I didn't do it. He goes, no, I know I did. And so I love this. I, I just love that he's also unofficially part of the team, but like officially a part of the team. Uh, Ted asks who it's going to be. And Beard says, well, obviously it's got to be Colin. Ted says, ouch. But Roy says, Colin is a chameleon and he can change depending on a situation. So I guess like Colin would become the first sub. I didn't actually pay attention necessarily to the sub board, but I feel like Colin would be the first up. Then if they think that he can adapt to other situations, he is a strong and capable man. Okay. Um, Beard says the bigger issue is putting Sava up front means either Jamie or Danny is going to need to drop to midfield. <laughs> and Ted goes, well, who do you think is going to take the news better? Everyone in the room automatically says Danny. And Ted goes, Jamie's a lot like my mom's precious moments figurine collection. Trent says, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> And Roy says, he's a fragile little bitch. <laughs> I don't know if it's funnier to me that Roy knew what a precious moments figurine was without any kind of explanation. Or, like, that's the connotation because... <laughs> yeah, I mean, precious moments were just... I don't know if it was more of just a Midwestern thing in the 90s, but I had a cousin that collected. She had a china cabinet full of Precious Moments figurines, and I thought that was the end-all be-all when I was growing up, and I wanted my own collection of Precious Moments. And now, do they even still make Precious Moments? I think they do. I think they still make them, but you never see them anymore. Uh, and Dad goes, brevity is nice, but sometimes clarity is the true soul of wit. Thank you, Roy. <laughs> Higgins comes in. He He's very nervous. You can tell. He goes, oh, okay, well, it's almost 10, so we should get going. And Ted says, what's the matter? Are you nervous? And he goes, well, I am, actually. I had some diarrhea this morning. Again, he looks at Trent and he says, don't put that in the book. <laughs> Everyone, I just feel like that should be a line for season three of Ted Lasso. Just don't put that in the book. Or like, yeah, that you can write, like, that you can put in the book, because Ted's always like, and that you can put in the book. And Trent looks at Higgins and says, well, uh, I've never been clear on the spelling, so I probably won't. Without missing a beat, Beard goes D-I-A-R-R-H-E-A, except in England, you have a silent O, as in, oh no, you've got diarrhea. I, too... I'm not always clear on the spelling. I know that there's not an O. Where do they put an O? Do, is it D-I-A-O-R-R-H-E-A? Diorrhea? <laughs> I guess. Um, but 
I'm just like, you know how we all spell bananas based off Gwen Stefani now and um I want to say Fergalicious, but that's not the word that uh was that the no. Well she doesn't Fergie doesn't actually spell the word right. What word does she spell? Oh my god, I can't think of it. Anyway, uh, like I still spell bananas the fastest, quickest way by saying this shit is bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. You know, and my high school, so I don't know, I don't think I have any stalkers out here, but I went to Tecumseh High School and the cheerleaders, I used to laugh about it because I'm like, you know, it's bad when your school actually has a cheer that's just spelling the name but uh i actually used it all that like it just got stuck on my head and so now whenever i had to spell what high school i would go to or that i went to i was always like um t e c u m s e h let's go <laughs> so anyway um yeah that's how you spell to come so uh so and now i'm just like i feel like i'm gonna just pick that up and whenever i whenever I have the need to spell diarrhea, I'm D-I-A-R-R-H-E-A. Um, Ted, is that, Ted looks at Higgins, ever the one to put you in, like, at ease. He says, I'm in the same boat, Hickey Bear. My stomach's got more knots than Wayne's World 1 and 2 smushed together. And I don't know why, because I've been around great athletes my whole life. Heck, Roy, you're a great athlete. Roy goes, eh, not like Zava. And Ted says, ah, oh, come on. Don't sell yourself short. If anything, sell yourself tall and get it altered later. I love that line. I feel like that's probably what men do. Like sell yourself, sell yourself tall and alter yourself later. Women are constantly like there have been scientific studies that when it comes to applying for jobs, men will apply when they meet like one of five criteria but women will only apply if they meet all five criteria. But then the likelihood of the man getting hired over the woman is still higher, even if they don't meet all of the criteria. So yeah, this is a classic sell yourself tall and get it altered later. But like, I want to put that on a banner just so I can look at it. I want to put it on a little sticker to put in my mirror every morning. Sell yourself tall and get it altered later. I love that. I'm keeping that line. And Roy doubles down. He goes, no, uh, Zava's different. Just watch. And Ted goes, well, we can't just watch because we have to make Zava part of the team. And Trent is standing there just nodding his head. I love this because I really, really hope that whatever this book is, it it's actually a real thing. The way Jane the Virgin, Jane Villanueva's book, it, The Snow Falling... Is that the name of the book? I just like pulled that out. That might not even be the name of the book. Um, I really hope that this becomes a thing because I will read it. I feel like Apple's definitely doing it. It's definitely got to be real. But I hope Trent's book becomes a real thing because I love how he's just here and he's able to really see the inner workings of Ted's mind. You're like, no, we can't just watch. We got to make Zava part of the team. And he says, coaching a superstar can't be all, how do you solve a problem like Maria? Although, if you ask me, the Nazis were the real problem in that story. Am I right, coach? Roy is standing there grunting in agreement, doing his patented Roy head bob. And Beard goes, yeah, come on, Mother Superior. Let's have a little perspective. The head looks at Roy and he says, 
Sorry, Roy, I know you don't like all this musical theater talk this early in the morning, but Roy shockingly says, no, I'll allow it. I used to fancy Julie Andrews. Well, I still do, to be fair. The voice, the eyes, the way you know she'd tell you off if you'd been bad. (laughs) Julie Andrews is still alive, everyone. (laughs) She's still alive. She's writing children's books right now. I just, I feel like she's going to watch that. Um, to be fair, I mean, how do you solve a problem like Maria? For me, it was Christopher Plummer. Hello. We all know. Everyone knows. Oh, when he tears that Nazi flag in half. Oh, sign me up. Um, I mean, everyone, everyone loves that moment. Even though Christopher Plummer, like, just patently hated that role. Um, the, the crazy thing, though, before I continue before we get into everyone's favorite Julia Andrews characters, um, I once stayed in the same room that Rogers and Hammerstein met with Maria Von Trapp to write the musical, The Sound of Music, in Jamaica. I know. That's a really random fact. So, I, I used to nanny for a very high-profile family, and they would go to Jamaica between Christmas and New Year's, and I happened to go with them. And the resort that they stayed at, the first – so I went with them two years, and the first year, we ended up staying in a, uh, in a villa – I almost said room – in a villa that was not their typical villa. And they were very like, oh, this isn't normally the one we stay in. Like, this one's not redone yet. All of this, blah, blah, blah. And I remember the, like, so I stayed downstairs with one of the children. And, but I didn't have any cell reception or anything there. So every day, like, whenever I wanted to use my phone to do anything, I would have to come upstairs, just walk up, like, a couple of steps. And then... It was this outdoor open seating dining area, basically. And then there were other rooms kind of partitioned off from there. Um, But like you could only get cell reception in certain parts of the house, of the villa. And yeah, the shower was kind of janky in that one and all of this. And I was on the phone with my mom one night during the... I don't know, like 10 days we were there. And I was saying something about it when I looked it up and they had the villa numbers. So I look up what villa number we were in. I don't remember the number now. Um, And it was like, oh, famously known as the villa that Rogers and Hammerstein would stay in. And they once, like at one point staying, they met with Maria Von Trapp and the Sound of Music was born from this villa. And I was like, oh, Wow, cool. Oh my god. Okay. Well, <laughs> like you're telling me I'm staying in the same place right now as like the two people that came up with the song Edelweiss and yeah, like how do you solve a problem like Maria and The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music, all of that like oh, that's pretty cool. That's a lot cool. I think about that a lot. Um Yeah, so anyway, Ted says, you know, this line, like, you know, coaching a superstar is a lot more than how do you solve a problem like Maria. And after Roy says, no, I'll allow the musical theater talk because I still fancy Julie Andrews, Ted says, all right, we got to do it. All-time favorite Julie Andrews character, go. Roy says, 
fuck it, Maria. Ted says, resolute as always. Coach, who you got? Beard says, Eliza Doolittle. Ted goes, ooh, audio-only performance. I love that. Professor Higgins, is there a Professor Higgins? Hold on. I'm going to go to IMDb really quick. I meant to do this yesterday. Um, Okay, My Fair Lady was Eliza Doolittle. Wasn't the guy's name Higgins? Yeah, Professor Henry Higgins. That's what I thought. So he says, uh, Professor Higgins, who you got? And Higgins says, um, come on, you poppins. Which the actor that plays Higgins was in, I believe, because I saw a thing on Twitter. I'm just going to. Go Leslie Higgins. Okay, Jeremy Swift. Yeah, was in the 2018 version of Mary Popping Mary Poppins as Gooding. So I love that little that's a little Easter egg, I think we would call that. Um and Ted goes, mm-hmm, same. I'm right there with you. Trent, you have one. You don't have to. You got one. Trent, without hesitation, says, Clarice Rinaldi, Queen of Genovia. Higgins goes, Oh, Ted minds the brain explosion and Roy excitedly nodding his head he goes fuck yeah princess diaries if I could put that on a shirt like I'm going to Disneyland in just over a month and then I'm going to Disney World with my nanny kids a month after that like if I could put fuck yeah princess diaries with Roy Kent on a shirt I would um and Beard says, deep cut, zagged. Like, everyone loves it. Trent passes the test. We love to see it. Like I said, I love the inclusion of Trent, a true blue, a true blue friend to them all. Or or hopefully, hopefully, because like the final scene, hopefully, fingers crossed. Out in the locker room, everyone is just standing in the corner, ooing and aahing. Happens to be Jamie's corner because uh, they're waiting for Zava. And there's a very fancy chair, like a recliner chair sitting there. I don't, I don't know if Zava had that sentence or like his people sent that. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, the man never sits in it. So I'm, I don't know. But anyway, they're all standing there going, Ooh, oh my gosh, look at it. It's so amazing. And Danny says, uh, like, he goes, when I was a boy, I played in Zava Boots, slept in Zava Boots. I made love for the first time to Zava Boots. So Rose says, I think you mean in Zava Boots. And Danny goes, no. <laughs> uh, Sam, um, and Sam is standing there and he goes, oh, while the painters were finishing painting the restaurant last night. I spent a very pleasurable hour watching Zava's greatest goals on YouTube. And by the end, my head was spinning, which could have been the paint fumes. I just appreciate this for the fact. And then at the end of the episode, we do actually go to Sam's new restaurant. I was really starting to be like, are we going to talk about this restaurant at all? Are we addressing the restaurant or Sam and Rebecca's relationship at all? Like, I think I've already made my thoughts clear on this. I'm not totally in love with the Sam and, Re and Rebecca storyline. It's not that I don't love both of them. I just, I, I just don't see them 
meshing totally like for the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? But um, like, are we addressing it? And I think we will. Based off of the final moments, I think we actually are going to finally get to that. Richard, also standing there, says, The way he moves on the pitch, like a panther. So sexy, yeah? And Isaac goes, You sound a bit gay, bruv. And Richard says, Well, I'm gay. And everyone goes on. He goes, For Zafa. Everyone laughs. Colin is standing there. Doesn't seem off-put. Doesn't seem nervous. None of the above. But Isaac's line, like, Well, you sound a bit gay, bruv. I'm like, Ooh. Okay, maybe, like, maybe everyone doesn't know that Colin's gay. <coughs> so I just took a, oh, breath went down the wrong side. Um, this here. And Sam just picks right back up. He goes, oh, it's true. Uh, some men have a charisma that transcends orientation. Like Paul Newman, Idris Elba, Norm MacDonald. I wrote, who is that? And I didn't look it up, so we're going to look up who Norm MacDonald is. A con- I mean, is that stupid that I didn't know that name? A Canadian solo comedian born in 1959. Hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I'm not seeing it. Wait, Norm MacDonald died? Oh, he did die. Oh, that's okay. That's sad. Um, Oh, he was on Saturday Night Live. And he died after a long battle with cancer at 61. Oh, that's too bad. Did Sam not know that he died? Okay. Oh, well. Okay. I don't know. I don't know that that would transcend. Like, I was expecting to hear, like, Ryan Reynolds. I mean, all men say Ryan Reynolds. Henry Cavill. Like, these are, <laughs> these are the men I was expecting. Idris Elba, 100%. Um, okay, who is Paul Newman? I would say Robert Redford or Clint Eastwood. Because have you seen Scott Eastwood? Scott Eastwood is a... Just, like, carbon copy of his father. I'm in love with Scott Eastwood. When I found out that one of my old roommates that I lived with in Italy actually knows Scott Eastwood, and at one point they were friends, I was like, what? Excuse me? I mean, I'm not even anywhere close to Scott Eastwood's stratosphere, but that's not the point. Um... So Jan says that Zava is definitely one of those charisma unicorns. And Colin finally enters the chat. He's been standing there with his arms crossed very languidly. Like, again, not not nervous, not shifty, not upset by any of it. Just standing there totally calm, totally cool, like no big deal. And he says, okay, you guys have convinced me. I'll have sex with Zava. Everyone laughs. Uh, Jamie walks in. He goes, what the fuck is this? He's in a white hoodie, black shorts, a black coat on over it. Like, he's got these weird circular orange sunglasses on. Um, Just very Jamie-esque. I mean, everyone else is already dressed. Ted walks out at that point and he goes, Jamie, what's going on? You got to get changed. Like, we don't want to keep our new superstar waiting. Like, it's time to go. And everyone runs out. They're all excited. And Jamie is just very off-put by this. I knew this was coming. I heard a very interesting rumor 
not a rumor. I heard a very interesting um, theory. We'll talk about it, though, towards the end of the episode. Uh, although it was nearly 10 a.m. and it was time to go, it's almost noon now. You're 20 minutes to noon. It's 11.40. No Zava. Everyone's tired. The crowd's completely died down. The uh, journalists are yawning. Rebecca's checking her watch and she, when she's also in a fabulous pink dress, the coat dresses that Rebecca is always put in, Han, uh, Hannah Wandsworth. No, that's not her last name. What's her last name? Hannah Waddingham. Sorry. Uh, stunning. I mean, she's just stunning in general, but also the coat dresses. Like, I want to be British so freaking bad. I want to be British for lots of reasons. Um, I mean, a big one was, you know, the, like the queen was there, but now the queen's dead. Uh, so that takes a little bit of it away. But um, coat dresses, they just, you don't have that here in America. And I wish we did. I love a good coat dress. Um, so she is like, you know, where is he? What's going on? She looks at Higgins and she says, we do have a signed contract, right? And he goes, of course, we have an e-signature that's legally binding. I think I'll go make a call. <laughs> so he gets up. Keely is on her phone. She says, well, his agent hasn't heard from him, but she's tracked his phone and it's currently in Mykonos, which is in Greece. And then Rebecca says, if he's changed his mind again, she's going to look like an absolute asshole. And Keely looks around. She goes, well, maybe we can cheer the crowd up somehow. Shandy just kind of pops over Rebecca's shoulder, introduces herself. And well, first she says, do you want me to take my top off and run around the pitch? And Rebecca, without missing a beat, goes, you must be Shandy. And then Shandy is like, yes, and it's so nice to meet you. Maybe one day we can sit down and have a proper chat. Like, how tall are you exactly? Um, Keely tells Rebecca that Shandy is shadowing her to get the hang of things. And then she tells Shandy to go to the concession and start selling merchandise for half price. And then as Shandy goes to leave, Keely goes, oh, and keep your top on. <laughs> and Shandy goes, oh, right. Rebecca looks at her watch again, says, shit, now I'm late. And Keely asks for what? Rebecca says, it's nothing. It's silly. I'll tell you later. And she goes, I love mysterious Rebecca. I immediately was like, oh, it's got to be about her mom's psychic, Trish, which it is. Ted comes up, then whispering. He comes up, he goes, hey, guys, um, are we sure that Zava has the right address? Because I'd hate to think he's sitting in the middle of Virginia right now waiting for us, you know? Higgins comes up. He's He gets off the phone. He's like, I've just gotten off the phone. They say that an e-signature is 100% binding. Tiny wrinkle. Instead of signing his name, he signed, you're welcome. <laughs> Rebecca is freaking out. Ted says, superstars play by their own rules. And he goes, look, one time I waited three hours for Public Enemy in 1998 to come play at this band, the Cubby Bear, whatever. I didn't write down the whole thing. And he says, I realized when a man with a giant clock around his neck is that late, it ain't about time. He's making a statement. And Rebecca goes, all right, I'm calling it. We're going to go upstairs and figure out what we do next. Leslie, I want you to talk to the crowd and tell them something. And Higgins, in his very calm, soothing voice, he goes, 
of course, Rebecca, I've got this. Back in uni, my DJ name was Damage Control. Kelly goes, I didn't know you DJed. And he goes, why didn't actually? But I had the name ready if I ever started. The three leave. Higgins gets up there and he goes, welcome to the dog track. And I was like, who the fuck are you? And I just, I know, poor Higgins, is, it's not going to go well. Uh, as they're walking up, so it's Rebecca, Keely, and Ted. She's like, why would anyone put up with this lunatic? And Keely says, as humans, we adapt to accommodate genius. And then Keely pulls a Ted and she says, who's the greatest actor alive was, well, before he retired? And Rebecca says, Tony Curtis, same time. Ted says, Daniel Day-Lewis. And Ted goes, oh, you said alive? Jackie Chan. Wait, you said retired? Daniel Day-Lewis. And Keely goes, exactly. When he gets in character, he stays in character and everyone else adapts to him. And then she whips around and she goes, did you know that when he played Lincoln, he actually texted Sally Field as Abraham Lincoln? I didn't know this. Two things. One, I, I didn't know that. Two... Okay, I knew he was a method actor. I didn't know he retired. What, did he retire after he got the Oscar for Lincoln? Doesn't he have more than one Oscar? I mean, whatever. Do it. Do what you want to do. Um, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis. In Eng oh, English retired actor. Why did he retire? Oh, <laughs> The Things wrote, I've never heard of The Things. Daniel Day-Lewis lives a secluded life after his supposed retirement from acting. After years as one of the biggest movie stars in the world, Daniel Day-Lewis has retired to a tiny town. Most of the time when actors manage to become legitimate movie stars, their lives quickly change dramatically as they learn to play the game. With that in mind, it's pretty amazing to look back on Daniel Day-Lewis's career. While Day-Lewis has appeared on red carpets in the past, he has never seemed like he cared about being famous at all. Instead, it has always been very clear that Day-Lewis pours everything he has into his performances. A perfect example of this is that Day-Lewis refused to shower while he filmed The Crucible, and most stars would be too afraid of not looking perfect to do that. That's disgusting. As mind-blowing as it is that Day-Lewis went weeks without cleaning himself, that is just one example of the stories about his experiences with method acting. Because there are so many stories of Day-Lewis's extreme method acting, tales of the actor's behind-the-scenes behavior sometimes took center stage. Given that he seemed to be so wrapped up in his acting performances, most people didn't expect him to be like other actors who walked away from Hollywood. Despite that, he now leads a secluded life far away from the Hollywood spotlight. After he rose to international fame and was recognized as one of the best actors of his generation, he became a Hollywood mainstay for many years. After all, he turned a lot of heads with his performance in 1989's My Left Foot, and then he started in Phantom Thread almost three decades later. Since he started in acclaimed and successful movies during the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s, it was easy to feel like he was a consistent part of Hollywood. In reality, however, he's always taking longer than usual breaks between projects. Between 1997 and 2017, he retired. He only starred in six movies. Well, okay. <laughs> you don't, he retired. He only starred in six movies. Um, if that wasn't surprising enough, Day-Lewis didn't work much in the 90s either, as he was only part of five films during that entire decade. Given that he habitually takes time off, that begs the question, how did he get up, or what did he get up to? between projects. Okay, get to it already. Um, 
Well, he lives in Ireland? Where does he live? Oh, he lives in Wicklow. Okay. Um, he moved to a sparsely populated village where he can lead a simpler life in a home that sounds like a throwback from a time in the past. Given... Oh, my goodness. Oh, he gives to the Wicklow Hospice Foundation. So, I mean, like, is he actually retired? Is he never going to act again? Because he said he retired, but then he started in six. Doesn't matter. Anyway, I didn't know all of this. But what I love is that Keeley has sort of picked up on this vibe of Ted being like, Okay, who was, like, pop, because towards the end of this, Ted goes, pop quiz, and he asks a question. And, you know, Ted's got, like, okay, who's your favorite Julie Andrews uh, character? Go. Like, well, we have to do this. So I love that it's Keely doing this instead. And um, so Rebecca says, well, that so about um, him texting Sally Field as Abraham Lincoln. Rebecca goes, "Well, that's ridiculous. Abraham Lincoln couldn't text." <laughs> and Ted goes, "Exactly. Every time he looked down at his phone, his hat would fall off." Rebecca gives him a look as she's opening up the door. She says, "Zava may be a genius, but he's a self-absorbed prick." And boom, there is Zava sitting behind her as he goes. He goes, "Your desk is covered in biscuit crumbs." Rebecca asks. What the fuck are you doing here? And she goes, we've been waiting two hours for you. And he says, oh, time is a construct, like gender, and many of the alphabets. She tells him, she's like, get the fuck out of my chair. So he does. And then she introduces him to Ted. She goes, there's your manager. Ted goes for a hand. She's like, well, hi, I'm Ted Lasso. He goes for a handshake. Zava instead puts his hand over his heart on his chest. And he says, my leader. I'm an empty vessel filled with gold, which would sink. Um, he goes, I am your rock. Mold me. Dad goes, well, if you score goals like the way you talk, I think we're going to be just fine. Rebecca introduces Keely, the head of publicity. He walks over. He grabs Keely's hand, kisses it. And he says, my queen, my actions today have made your job much more difficult. Keely, obviously a little starstruck. She's like, oh, no, don't. Don't worry about it. There's no such thing as bad publicity, right? And he says, my integrity disallows me to agree with that statement. As Rebecca is rolling her eyes, she goes, oh, for God's sake. And Higgins and Shandy walk in and Higgins says, well, he's allergic to hummus. And Shandy's like, I know, I know, I know. Who? Who is who, allergic to hummus? Is Zava allergic to hummus? Is someone on the team? Someone that, you know, that they were doing? I have no idea. Um... And Higgin goes, oh, my God, you're here. And Zava goes, and you are there. Rebecca rolls her eyes, introduces Higgins as the director of football. Zava puts his hands on either side of Higgins' face, just very gently, like, you know, cradling his face between his hands, puts his forehead up against Higgins' forehead. And he says, you are the glue. And Higgins goes, Thank you very much. He pulls away. Ted's standing there and he's like, ooh. And then Zava goes, I will go see the team now. Rebecca yells after him. Do you even know where you're going? And as Zava's going down the stairs, he goes, I do not. 
Ted looks at Rebecca and he goes, are you kidding me? Wowie zowie. And then he's like, well, I'm just gonna uh, follow after him, you know, uh, just in case, you know, he might, he might be a wallflower a little bit, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna go make sure he knows where he's going. And he goes down to the locker room where everyone is. No one's seen him. He's like, has anyone seen Salva? They're like, he's here. He is here. And he's like, well, yeah, he's here. Well, he should be here right now. I don't know what's going on. And then he says, maybe, um, we should all split up and go. But then Zava walks in. Inspirational music starts playing. He and Roy nod heads. Uh, Danny whispers, he's like an angel. And Jan Moss, who is standing next to Danny, goes, why are you downgrading him? He's clearly a god. And Zava stops right in front of Ted, which Ted sidesteps over. And he says, I'll begin with addressing the most important men in the room. The kit men. He looks over, points at Jamie. Jamie's like, me, what? what? Roy looks like he's about to bust a gut because Jamie looks at Roy like, are you kidding me? But Roy's like, this is hysterical. I think Roy's rethinking the funniest thing that he's ever seen in his whole life now after the stepbrothers thing. And then like, sell, sell like a decoy. Um, and then Will sidesteps over. And he's like, um, it's uh, me. And Zava steps in front of Ted again, and he says, I too once was a ball boy when I was just 11 years old. Will says, I'm 25. He goes, your passion is why I play. And then, and, and like, as he's talking, he just keeps taking a step, and it's always right in front of Ted. And so Ted's just always mm, <laughs> moving to either side of him. And then... He says, my brothers, I want you to breathe with me. It's the longest breath ever. Everyone's like on the exhale. They keep having to take like breaths in to keep exhaling. Jamie is the only one not breathing. And then he says, we are now one. There is no me. There is no you. There is only the we. And the us. And the we in us. <laughs> Ted. Jamie. And Beard's faces during this, like, Jamie's just like, oh, my God, get a load of this guy. And Beard's kind of like, what is going on right now? Ted is, like, pointing to his forehead, like, yeah, think, think on that. But, like, when he says, and the we in us, Ted kind of gives him a side eye. And then Zava turns around, walks straight into the coach's room. And Ted calls Beard and Roy. He's like, uh, coaches, let's uh, go in here before he uh, wanders away again. And Danny go like, as they're walking in, Danny goes, oh, my God, he's so much more down to earth than I thought. In the coach's office, they're, they're all trying to squeeze in at the same time. And Roy just, like, very loudly closes the door, which Ted and Beard are like, come on. And then um, Zava is like, which one of these is me and Ted looks and Roy's like you're the fucking coach <laughs> Beard claps him on the shoulder so Ted goes uh the one on the right and Beard winces and uh Roy goes fuck's sake and Ted goes or left or left or left you know what uh, whichever one you want really Zava starts moving things around. You can't see it. They can't see it. Like, Zop, we just see Zava standing in front of the board and he's doing all of this moving. He steps away. Well, he he turns around. He goes, I'm very excited to be here. And Ted says, well, we're excited that you're here too. And, and Zava goes, I'll see you tomorrow. He walks away. 
they see the board. There's one at the top towards the the um goalie box, which is obviously Zava. And then everyone else is just clumped down, kind of in a circle. They're all just clumped there, uh, like past the halfway line of <laughs> the other side. And they look, you see Trent, and all Trent says is, he's tall. Beard scratches his head. It's it's almost like they're immediately kind of like, mm, I don't know about this idea now that I see what's happening and we're already too late to stop anything. So I guess let's make the best of it. Moving momentarily past the Zava welcome, Rebecca is at some random person's house. It turns out it is, in fact, Tish, which is her mother's psychic. And Tish, you know, lets her in, says, oh, make yourself at home. Would you like anything to drink? And she offers alcohol. And Rebecca goes, oh, can I have a white Russian? Which Tish goes, oh, I'm fresh out of Kahlua. Would... After a big Lebowski theme party for our colleague, would straight vodka suffice? Rebecca goes, I was just making a joke. And Tish goes, I know. That's why I just made two. And Rebecca's like, okay. And um, they sit at this table. Tish says, you've been through a lot recently. The dark soul of one man just disconnected you from your own. And then another beautiful soul and a man half your age arrived exactly at the right time. And the wrong time. There's this music in your... And Rebecca's like, how the fuck do you know that? And I expected her to be like, oh, I'm a psychic. And she says, well, I speak to your mother once a month for the last six years. And then she asks Rebecca how she can help. And Rebecca says, you know, honestly, I don't know that you can. And Tish goes, oh, a skeptic. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. And she says, why? Because you're a psychic? And she goes, no, because your mother was a skeptic, too. So she asks Rebecca uh, if she is familiar with Kintsugi as she's grabbing this bowl. And she says, it's the Japanese art of mending broken things with gold. I did know that. I knew that because of something else and then also because I talk about it in To All the Boys. Um, and so she says the idea being we embrace the flaws and imperfections and in doing so create something much stronger and more beautiful. So she places this bowl on the table, asks Rebecca to put her hands on the bowl as she does as well. And then Rebecca goes, what? what's that smell? It smells very odd in here suddenly, which Tish just says, thank you. Let's begin. Very, very little creepy. Like, what what kind of smell? What's happening? So, um, Tish says that she can see something. And she goes, I can see something. It's in your hand. An object. It's very special. Rebecca goes, is it a bowl? And Tish goes, it's a green matchbook. And Rebecca goes, sorry, a what? And Tish, very much in her own space, goes, yes, a green matchbook. How lovely. Rebecca, again, I mean, just so not into it, goes, sorry, who cares about a matchbook? And then Tish goes, ah, now I can hear something. Shite. No, and then she goes, no, just one at a time, please. So, and there's people, multiple people. And then she goes, shite. Sh 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 oh, I, yes. Shite and knining armor. Like a knight in shining armor. Uh, and Rebecca goes, Shite and nining armor. And Tish goes, does that mean something to you? Rebecca goes, yes, it means something to me. It means you're even more batshit crazy than I 
And before she can finish, just goes, shut up. I can hear something else. It's thunder and lightning and you, you're upside down and you're drenched. And then she clasps Rebecca's arms, both arms. She goes, but you're safe. Rebecca goes, okay, that's enough for today. Uh, you know, thank you for sharing your, what is it? Your gift? And then she says, we can just tell my mom we did the whole session. Yeah. Tish blurts out. Very unfazed by all of this. She just says, you will have a family. Now, Rebecca's kind of like halfway out the door. Her demeanor completely changes. Because at first, she's just kind of like, okay, oh my god, you're batshit crazy. She turns around. She walks back in the room saying, sorry, what did you say? And Tish, again, she just very, just no bones about it, goes, you're going to be a mother. That was not the thing to say to Rebecca. Very upset. Rebecca says, fuck you. I've always thought you were completely harmless because my mom could afford you, but you are actually dangerous and you're fucking cruel. Tish doesn't seem upset by this. She's just sitting there, weird kind of smile on her face, whatever. Rebecca slams the door. I mean, Tish doesn't even jump. None of the above. Now, if you ask me, <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I just decided what I've decided that I want, I kind of think Rebecca's going to become Henry's stepmom. And that Ted is going to be her knight in shining armor. I mean, the whole, like, fight for me, Ted. Like, do something. Like, respond. You have to say something. Fight for me because Rupert is laughing at me. <laughs> Come on. So I'm just going to be waiting for Rebecca to get drenched, do something with lightning and being in the rain, and then Ted's going to be there. That's what I think is going to happen. But maybe that's because that's what I want to happen. Um, Keely and Shandy, we, I don't know if it's the same day or what have you, but Keely and Shandy are sitting down with Isaac, Sam, Danny, and Colin in the, in their press room going, and Keely's like, oh, you know, there's so exciting. There's so many press and they have so many questions. And Sam says, oh, you know, I'd love to get the word out about the restaurant. And Keely goes, oh, that, that's great. Right now they're really just interested in Zava. And the boys go, oh, okay. Well, you know, what, what, what do you want us to say? Keely goes, oh, you know, you can say anything. You know, just be upbeat, you know, all of this. And Danny says, well, I would, I would love to talk about Zavo more than me any day of the week. And so, um, Shandy, but then Shandy says, or say something completely shocking to make the interview go viral. Like you eat your own hair. And Keely's like, oh, well, yeah. the door opens, Roy walks in. And he apologizes. He's like, oh, sorry, Keely. Higgins told me to come in and check on some dumb interview shit. <laughs> I mean, some important interview shit. Shandy says, oh, no worries. No press want to interview you. And Keely says, no, that's not true. The press know Roy doesn't love doing interviews. Roy, I mean, like just pretending Shandy and everyone else is in there. And he goes, well, it's okay. I'll do one if you if you need me to. It's kinesics. Come on. Come on. I just refuse to believe anything other than the fact that Roy and Keeler are going to end up together. 
Shanda goes, oh, I'll interview you. Why'd you jump my friend? The boys all go, ooh. <laughs> and you can tell they're trying not to laugh. Roy says, you're fun. Looks at Keely and goes, who the fuck is this? And she goes, this is Shandy. We work together. And he goes, why? And she says, she's an old friend of mine. The boys all go, oh, that makes more sense. And you can hear Sam say, that makes much more sense. And then Keely says, Shandy, I definitely told you about her. And Roy's standing there. And then he finally goes, oh, yeah, Shandy. He looks at Shandy again, finally. And he says, you used to eat your own hair, right? She just goes, yeah, I did. <laughs> the boys are just staring. And he says, well, nice to put a face to the hair. And then Roy walks out. I just love, like, who the, who the fuck is this? Like, and she's just sitting there. And she's like, it's Shandy. We work together. Why? <laughs> the boys like oh this makes much more sense higgins previously uh had asked like when they're all standing up there after zava had been there he's like who are you and <laughs> and kelly's like oh this is shandy she works for me and higgins goes oh and then she's like she's my friend and higgins goes oh <laughs> they all see it now i also we're going to talk about it. I, I have some premonition thoughts about Shandy that could be completely unfounded, but I, I have some worries in my head. Um, in the coach's office, Ted asks Beard what today's portal is. Beard goes, ethic. Uh, like, you should just know. So Ted tries that, and then he says, uh, he goes, you're a jerk. And Beard's like, <laughs> Jamie knocks on the door, asks if he can talk to him for a minute, and Ted goes, you can talk to me as long as you want, though I do have a tendency to doze off around 1 a.m. Roy walks in, so Jamie starts, and then Roy walks into his side of the office, but Jamie continues, and he says, um, he, he, I know we're all excited that Zava's here, and I put we're in quotes because like, he is not excited that Zava's there. And he goes, but I know a lot of players like him. They're all just self-absorbed glory hunters who only care about themselves. <laughs> Roy turns around in his chair. And, like, he's in that little separate office. So he turns around in his chair to stare at him. Ted, mmm. And Beard goes, Jamie, come on. Don't you think coming from you, that's a little bit ironic? And Jamie says, don't know. And then Jamie continues on saying, we don't need Zava. We already have a good thing going and he's just fucking things up. And he points to the whiteboard where it's just the, the one up there for Zava and then everyone else clumped down. Roy is twiddling his So he's not looking at Jamie anymore, but he's twiddling his pencil back and forth. And you can tell by the look on his face that like he's going to think about this. And... Um, Ted goes, look, I hear you, but I think we've got to give it a game or two and see what's what. And Jamie goes, yeah, 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 of course. Well, thanks for hearing me out. And Ted says, thanks for speaking your mind. Please continue to do so. And even though, I mean, right from go, Ted's like, hey, if you ever have any questions, comments, concerns, this office door is always open. I'm always here for you. Coach Beard is always here for you to talk to you. 
Nate completely let that shit go. Like Nate held such a grudge and never said a thing to Ted. So when Nate brought it up, Ted's like, I am so sorry if I made you feel that way. Like I didn't know. I'm so sorry because Ted, as he tells Dr. Sharon, I don't ever want anyone to not know how I feel about them after his father had committed suicide. So I feel like here, it's almost just, even though you feel like you would know right off go, if you ever need to talk to Ted, you can just go in and talk to Ted and it's going to be fine. He tells Jamie like, hey, thanks for speaking your mind. Please continue to do so. Like, hey, it's okay if you and I disagree. Come talk to me though. Let's talk about it. I want to know what's going on in your brain. Let's try and put the pieces together. I love that. Um, as Jamie turns to leave, though, he looks at Beard and he goes, I want being ironic. I was being hypocritical. That's it. <laughs> he walks out. Beard's face goes from like a, like just Beard's face to this like, what? Oh my God. And Dad goes, was that right? Yes or no? <laughs> Beard goes, uh, and that, that goes, yes or no? And Beard goes, yes. <laughs> and dad goes, so that was actually ironic. <laughs> Absolute. Oh my God. Beard got so mind fucked in that moment. Oh, that was so funny. It's like, I want being ironic. I was being hypocritical. That's it. <laughs> The character arc for Jamie continues, continues to astound me and be the best idea. It's officially game day at Nelson Road. The stadium is packed. Higgins says that there's more VIP than London Fashion Week. And he goes, well, I think. I don't know. Keely looks at Rebecca and she goes, this is all because you got Zava, babe. You've made Richmond global. Keely does her excited scream. Rebecca does the, ooh, and Higgins goes, you know, they all do the Keeley scream. I love that. Again, I just, <laughs> I love this group so much. In the locker room, they go over the game plan. The And Beard says, the 451 isn't about dropping back. It's about, and Roy goes, getting fucking service into the box for Zava. Got it? Beard goes, these are the subs. Colin's obviously now been subbed out. Isaac looks right at Colin. So he sits next to him and he says, are you okay? And there he goes, are you all right? And Colin replies, I'm still a strong and capable man. Isaac nods his head and he goes, you're all right. I love this. I almost cried. I almost cried in that moment because I mean, just Isaac is so in tune as the captain, but like he's not the captain now. Like, is Zava the captain? I don't even know. I mean, Isaac's the captain. Well, hands down. Even if even if Zava's wearing the seat, it's Isaac. Isaac is the captain. And he's checking on his players and his friends, teammates, like brothers. Uh, and also, the 451. Now, what I thought it was going to be was sort of going from the 452 to this 451 as... um the idea that Zava kind of puts himself alone, like, stands out. But Beard, Roy, 
Ted, everyone, they're all on this four, five, one plan, which also that's like you're down a player. So, right? Oh, no, no, no. Because it was four, four, two. I guess I had that wrong. The four, four, two, and now it's four, five, one. Okay. Anyway, that just occurred to me. I'm like, wait a minute. Are you down a plan? No, you're not. Um, so Beard and Roy, though, continue. Beard goes, all free kicks will be taken by, and Roy goes, Zava. Beard goes, all penalties, Zava. All corners, anyone to Zava. Dad goes, that's it. You fellas set him up, and our man Zava's gonna. He pants over. Zava is meditating in his little corner going, oh. and like, we're saying things in a foreign language. And Ted goes, he's uh, gonna knock him down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ted goes, okay, well, let's, let's bring it in. I mean, now he's whispering. <laughs> and he goes, uh, Zava, Zava, nothing happens. Jamie does a big old dog wolf whistle. Nothing happened. That was like, oh, yeah. And then Isaac does this like little lyrical Disney princess bird-like whistle that gets his attention. And he goes, I am ready. He gets up and, uh, well, no, sorry. <laughs> Ted goes, um, am I supposed to hit a gong or something? Roy says, what's up with that shit? And that's when um, Jamie does the whistle and then Isaac does the whistle. Again, it's just these little moments where I think they're seeing kind of like, mm, Okay, maybe, maybe we are throwing off the vibe here a little bit. Um, he So Zava walks into the middle of the circle for everyone to touch him. And he goes, Richmond on three. One, two, three. Richmond. They all run out. Except Jamie, who just looks at all three coaches and walks out. Beard, Beard and Roy at the same time. Beard goes, precious moments figurine. And Roy goes, little bitch. <laughs> but I get it. I mean, I I very much feel for Jamie in this moment, but also I appreciate that Jamie doesn't immediately kind of throw a little fit about the whole idea. He's just like, hey, I think we're good on our own. I don't think we need him and we can do this. And he's like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, let's, let's do it. Like, I hear you. We got to work with them, all this. But I... I I'm gonna start calling people precious moments figurines when I think they're being a little fragile. So uh, they all leave. Roy goes, Beard and Ted walk back into their office really quick. And Ted says, hey, coach, how many minutes we got? And Beard goes, we have four minutes exactly. And Ted goes, all right, well, I'm just going to call Henry really quick because his soccer team starts playoffs today. And Beard goes, oh, you know, look at him. And then Ted goes, shoot. And Beard goes, what's wrong? And he goes like, I don't have my, I can't find my cell phone. He's like, oh, I know where it is. It's right on the bathroom stand. <laughs> and Beard goes, that's what you get for playing Tetris on the toilet. And, Beard, and Ted goes, yeah, and numb legs. And he's like, all right, no, that's fine. I'll just do it old school. He picks up the phone and then he's like, shoot. And Beard goes, well, what now? Ted says, I can't remember Michelle's number, the cell phone number. And he goes, is that a good thing or a bad thing. And Beard goes, I think it's just a thing. I love this. I love their relationship. Beard, without saying anything, when Michelle leaves, what, three episodes in, just comes up, gives um, Ted a beer, 
never questions anything when the news breaks about the whole panic attack thing. He's got Ted's back, obviously, and he's like, okay, well, we know it was Nate, all of this. I just, he's like, I think it's just a thing. Like, it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I think it's just a thing. And then um, he asks if Ted's, he's like, are you okay? And Ted goes, oh, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. He's like, I'll just call the house phone. I'll be out in a minute. In Kansas, a mysterious man answers the phone. Like, you know right away that it's this Jake guy. Okay. You you know, so he was well, sorry. He doesn't answer the phone. So he's there in the kitchen and Michelle's like, thanks so much for offering to drive today. And he's like, yeah, no problem. The phone starts ringing. He's like, you still have a landline? She's like, yeah, I don't know why. And he's like, well, are you going to answer? And she's like, no, it's probably just a telemarketer. And he goes, oh, well, can I answer it? He's like, I have this whole thing that I like to mess with them. She's like, yeah. And she keeps yelling to Henry, like, Henry, we've got to go. Don't forget your shin guards and all this. And he's like, I can't find him. So she goes off to get Henry saddled up here. He answers the phone, pretends that he's Donald Trump. He's like, hello. Like this. And he's like, you'll never believe what Miss Keller does with orange peel, blah, 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 whatever. Ted just going along with, he's like, well, hey, Mr. Former President, boy, have I got a bone to pick with you. It goes back to this guy, which we know is Jake. And his face immediately, like, he's just like, shit. And Ted goes, hello? Or is anybody there? And he finally goes, Ted. And Ted's like, well, yeah. Hey, well, who is this? And it, like, Ted's still just not off put necessarily by any of this. And he, the guy's like, uh, it's Dr. Jacob Greenberg. Or Brian said Greenberg. I don't even know where that came from. He's like, Dr. Um, he's like, or he's like, it's Jacob Bryanson. And Ted goes, Dr. Jacob? And I, I'm like, oh, what'd she do? Fall for the pediatrician? Like, okay. I mean, could be a little more original, but all right, whatever. And he says, uh, yeah, Ted, you can just call me Jake. And Ted is now putting all the dots together. And he's like, Dr. Jacob? Jake is whispering frantically to Michelle, gesturing with the phone. He's like, hey, Michelle, Michelle. And she's like, what? And he goes, it's Ted. Her face falls. And I'm like, is this not the pediatrician? Like, but also, I still do not stand behind the fact that she didn't tell Ted she was dating. Like, I know they're divorced, but when you share children, especially when one of them is out of the country, at your best, I might add, she told him to take the job. Like, maybe we just need some space. <sighs> Sorry. Like, you you don't get to just have covert relationships that involve, like, that your child sees without telling the other person if you're successfully co-parenting her. Anyway, so Michelle takes the phone and she, well, she says shit and then takes the phone. Ted looks very shaken up on his side. And then Henry comes down. He's like, I found him. So she's like, oh, you know, do you want to 
talk to your dad. So Henry takes the phone. He's like, hey, dad, we're playing the dragons and they're undefeated. Ted immediately, like you would never know, he goes, oh, well, they're not going to be undefeated long. Hey, I was just calling to wish you luck today. And um, Henry goes, well, good luck to you to do, dad. And please tell Zava that many of my friend's moms like his abs. He gives the, and, and Ted's like, okay, will do. He gives the phone back to Michelle, doesn't hang up. And so Michelle's like, oh, thanks, buddy. And she's like, Henry, do you want to go wait in the car? And then she's like, do you want to take Henry? And he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And on Ted's end, you can hear him say, oh, have you ever seen a sunroof before? So Ted obviously knows that, like, they're taking his car. And then Michelle finally says, hi, sorry, can we chat when we both have some more time? We have a lot to catch up on. Bitch, do you fucking think? I can't, oh my God, I can't contain my anger for this woman in this moment. Um, and, and Ted's very gracious. He's like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, obviously. Okay. Uh, and, uh, she says, Ted, I, good luck today. And he says, oh, okay, thanks. They hang up. I just want to shit talk her now and get it out of the way. It's the fucking marriage counselor. (laughs) This is so problematic. This is so problematic for so so many reasons. Now, I know in real life that Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde have not necessarily had the best of relationships uh, lately, if, you know, you believe what is written in the media, slash the fact that she was served custody papers uh, in the middle of a press conference that she was getting, not press conference, in the middle of a uh, that press tour junket that she was giving for Don't Worry Darling. Uh, And then, you know, the stuff coming out that like Jason once laid under her car, stuff like that. So I don't know if he is kind of taking some of this, not out on her, but like, or maybe they went to marriage counseling. Were they ever actually married? Yeah. No. Yeah. Or do they just have two kids? Whatever. Um, Who knows? Well, maybe she dated their therapist, whatever. This to me reeks of the very first season of Friends when Susan tells Ross like, oh, well, maybe we should have a threesome and that like, that's just what I, and then she's like, I actually am a lesbian. I don't like, did Michelle recommend that they go to marriage counseling with this guy when she already had feelings for him? No wonder why this man hated therapy. Like he tells Dr. Sharon or he told um, Rebecca, he's like, oh, you know, um, you know, went to marriage counseling, didn't really love it. I I never really felt like I was being heard more. So I just had to hear about everything that I was doing wrong. And, you know, Michelle said that my eternal optimism really got to her. We haven't even talked about, like, at one point, he finds out, like, this man has pictures on Facebook where he's in a banana suit from a race. He has, he does impersonations for telemarketers. Like, what the fuck, Michelle? Like, you haven't just picked a Ted 2.0? But you tell Ted that 
he's too much for you? Bitch, fuck off. I have... I have nothing good to say about this woman. I have nothing. Like, when, when did this start? He tells Sassy at the end of the episode, like, I guess we're just to assume that they chatted more about it at some point, like, that we just don't hear about. Um, He's like, well, you know, to be fair, it did happen a year and a half after we saw him. I... I, I simply don't care because it's like, okay, well, did... Okay, am I believing that? Or did you start to have feelings for him while we were in therapy and then you just decided that it was over between us so that way one day you could be with him? Like, what is the deal here? Like, how, how, and like, how borderline, like Sassy says, she's like, that's borderline unethical. Yeah, that feels really super illegal and unethical. Like, not illegal go to jail, but like illegal, you should lose your license to be a therapist. I don't know. I just, I hate it so, so, so much. Oh, I hate it so much. So anyway, on the pitch, he is about to have a panic attack. They have not kicked off yet. They're all standing out there and he is clenching his fist. He's in the middle between Beard and Roy. And, you know, they keep panning up on him and you can tell that he's about to have a panic attack. Zava motions to Jamie. He's like, Tart, be open. I will find you. Jamie's just kind of like, what? Uh, The whistle finally blows. Jamie has the ball. He kicks it back to Zava, who takes this massive kick from the halfway line, scores a goal. I mean, I guess goal, yeah, goalies can kick it basically from like one goal post to like the other goalie. Sometimes it does it. So like, yeah, I guess that's something that can happen. And everyone loses it. Like, Arlo and Chris are there and they're like, he scored seconds in in his Richmond debut. Rebecca, Keeley Higgins, they're all losing it. Roy and Beard lose it. And that's what kicks Ted out of the impending panic attack moment. And Beard goes, well, he might be kind of good. Roy goes, I could get used to this shit. And, you know, that's that kicks Ted into this moment. You know, he's into it. The games start going. There's this montage of scenes. So Richmond starts from 17, immediately jumps to nine, then moves to seven. Zava's jersey merchandise, all of that is sold out. He starts running meditation classes for the rest of the guys in the middle of the locker room. Jamie walks in, but then walks out. This is when Ted starts scrolling Facebook while in a... um. NWLS, so the Women's National Soccer League um, uh, for Kansas, the women's team. And he's got a whiskey, like whiskey in his cup sitting next to him. And he's scrolling Facebook. He sees Jacob Bryanson, uh, yeah, with the banana suit on. Um, Crystal Palace, they're playing Crystal Palace. Zaba has a header that moves them to number five. Then you see Nate in his office reading an article about um, about the Richmond team. And I just want to say that Nick Mohammed that plays Nathan Shelley, he's a comedian and he's also in another show. Um... He was in Bridget Jones's baby. 
Hold on a second. Um, what's the show? I was just looking for the show that he is. Well, where is it? Um, it's something with David Schwimmer. But now I can't find. Oh, it's not showing up on here. He was. The... No, he was not. He was the voice of Piglet in the 2018 Christopher Robin movie. What? No way. I feel like I have to. Oh, my God. What? There was a Hank Zipser show? Wait, all of these things. What was that on? He played Mr. Love? I used to read Hank Zipser to a nanny kid. Um, huh. He had a credited role in Bridget Jones's Baby. Interesting. Man, he's been in so I I've never known him in anything else. I didn't think he was in anything. Anyway, so I think that's why we're not seeing Nate as much because I think he was also filming other things at the time. That's that was the whole point of that, and I had no idea about everything else that I just read. Um so uh Rebecca lights a candle, goes looking at the matchbooks in her in the drawer. There's nothing green, there's no green matchbooks, and then she's like oh, like, you know, kind of like, oh, my God, why are you doing this? Why, you know, she stops herself. Roy sees Keely and Shandy walk by. So Keely and Shandy walk past. They're talking. They don't acknowledge him at all. And he turns around and watches until they're out of sight. The longing. The longing. Roy, you made a huge mistake. Are we going to see more Phoebe? Like, oh, I think you're being stupid. Um, So... Oh, Colin texts Michael. That was the man's name. We didn't have his name until now. Uh, asking when he's coming back. Well, Michael texts him first a picture of himself. And then with a, uh, he says hi with a kissy face. And then Colin says, when are you back? And he says, thirsty much? And he says, soon. Um, and I mean, Colin's texting this in the middle of the locker room. Like, I mean, any of the boys could like look over and see it. So again, as I say, like, I just thought we all knew that Colin was gay, which is fine. Like, whatever. Um, okay, they're at Leeds. Jamie is going for his first goal of the season. They, Arlo's like, is Jamie finally going to get his first goal of the season? And it looks so, but then Zava gets in there and kind of intercepts it to make sure that the ball goes in. So then it's Zava's goal and not Jamie's. Roy uh, sees Jamie's face and Jamie's like what the f <laughs> like he's just looking totally baffled and Roy sees Jamie but then turns around and he's clapping but you can tell that he's kind of like oh um they move to number four Arlo says if you're a Richmond fan with Zava you have to feel like everything is going your way I wrote one of the pub boys because I wanted to make sure that I got the right one I think it's Jeremy. It's either Jeremy or Baz. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Jeremy. He comes in in a suit and he's like, I got a job. And Baz and Paul, then if that's, if it's not Baz and it's Jeremy. Anyway, um, they're all excited. May is also excited as well. And um, then Sam is testing food at his restaurant. And I wrote, with a lovely lady who looks like it is the chef, I'm actually going to go into, again, you would think that I would have prepped ahead to make sure that I had everything written out. I did not because I was like, it's already Thursday night. Let's just get to it. Um, Man, young Rupert. Crazy. 
Oh, please tell me. I'm like looking at the names and then I get like, okay, but she doesn't have a name yet. Uh, so hopefully her picture is here somewhere. So I can be like, yes, this is the person. Hmm. Sim is her name Simmy? Maybe? Simmy might be played by Precious Mustafa. Um, that's either the chef or that is the waitress. And I don't know which it is, so I'm going to hope that that's the chef. Because I don't see anyone. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't get her name. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, so we see Sam at his restaurant testing the food. I love this. They make a gorgeous pair together. Um, and, like, I want Sam to be happy and I want him to find someone. I just don't. And, you know, the whole statement like, oh, you know, if it were like men do this all the time, find much younger women. I totally get it. And it's really not that at the end of the day. But also when Rebecca's like, I'm your boss. And that feels weird. You know, like you're so much younger than me. So I totally get it. Because, I mean, it is really weird when the men do it, too. Uh Ted is talking to Dr. Sharon. So the montage is still going through all of this. And I love this. I love a good montage when it's used properly because we're able to cover a lot of ground without a lot of extra legwork. So Ted's talking to Dr. Sharon. And this is when we find out that it is the marriage counselor. So I know I already, because I, I was like, let's just shit talk Michelle and get it all out of the way at once. Uh, but he says, I mean, he was supposed to be helping us get back together. This is when I was like, I want to burn shit to the ground. I'm like, he was the marriage counselor? Like, I was losing my mind at that point. Um, Like, uh, there's literally, there's a tweet going around. It's like, Michelle, of all the men in Kansas, like, of all the men in Kansas, you go for your ex-marriage counselor. Girl, <laughs> please. BFFR. Be so fucking for real right now. Ugh. Okay. Sharon's listening, but then she, because uh, Ted goes, you know, always, he always felt so condescending, like, especially when he'd be like, like telling us, like, oh, sorry, our time's up. And then Dr. Sharon goes, sorry, Ted, our time is up. And he goes, nah, it wasn't like that. It was more like, I'm so sorry. And she goes, no, our session, our time is up. And he goes, oh, shoot. Well, sorry, I didn't get to ask you any personal questions. I was just yammering. And the, and then she just, very much like Dr. Sharon, hangs up. <laughs> but we do actually see her because they were like video chatting. I, again, I love, love, love that we see Dr. Sharon. Like, it's not just her over a phone call we actually get to see Dr. Sharon Fieldstone again. I love that they have continued on and that Ted has continued on with therapy and with talking to Sharon. I love this. And then he says, well, gotta respect it. I mean, you really do. You really do. Jeff. So we're at Soccer Saturday with Jeff, George, and I wrote one other man. I 
just feel like I'm definitely not going to have that guy's name. Um, I'm scrolling. God, Mike O'Gorman is his name who plays Jacob. I just hate you so much. Um, okay. Arlo, Chris, sure. George, right. Jeff, Paul Merson. That must be his name. Football steward and press agent. Uncredited. Yeah, it's got to be Paul. Doesn't exactly look like him. That guy had glass. Oh, yeah, it does. Okay. Um. Oh, is he actually a... Yeah, he's no... Oh, has he been in Ted Lasso in other episodes? Yeah, he was a former footballer who played for... <laughs> wow, he played for Arsenal, Brentford, Middlesbrough, Aston Villa, Portsmouth, Walsall. Continuing? <laughs> and Tamworth. <laughs> um... Oh, he won 21 caps and scored three goals for England between 1991 and 1998. Okay, so, like, not the best. Uh, could be worse. So, anyway, Jeff, George, and Paul are sitting on Soccer Saturday. Jeff asks if Ted is coach of the year. And George, who, as we remember, is the ex-coach for Richmond, um, says, oh, you know, just writing Zava's name on the score sheet that doesn't make you coach of the year. But now Nathan Shelley at West Ham, what he's doing, like that is a true tactician. And Paul, which is that, was that his name? Yeah, Paul. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I like West Ham, but I love Zava. And George goes, don't we all, mate? They all three laugh. I just wish we had gotten another shot of Nate. Just being like, <laughs> they are um, at Man U. So... Again, montage, this montage still going. Uh, we're at Man U. They're in stoppage time. Danny corner kicks to Zava. Now, the montage music changes from what it was to Superstar, as in <laughs> Jesus Christ, Superstar, <laughs> which I also just love that they picked a. Isn't Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? Isn't that from Rogers and Hammers? Hammer scene two. Uh, Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. What? Okay, long running musical. Who? Okay, did Rogers and Hammer? God, Rogers and Hammer scene. Right. Oh no. Um. That that was Andrew Lloyd Webber, wasn't it? Um, Joseph and the written by yeah Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Okay, yeah, I thought about that just the second as I was typing it in, and I was like, oh wait a minute, um, which is fine. Like it's just it comes from another. Um, okay, now wait a minute though. That is from that play, right? See, I've just said all that, and now I'm... Oh, no, Jesus Christ Superstar is its own musical? Okay. That was... All... But that was also Andrew Lloyd Webber, so... <laughs> okay. So I was still right. That was its own musical. I just didn't realize it was his own musical. I thought... 
No, yeah, I did know that. I did. I'm sorry. I did know that. But then I was meshing that with Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I apologize. Anyway, doesn't matter. That wasn't Rogers and Hammerstein. That wasn't like a little callback to in the montage to the what do you do with a problem like Maria? Other than the fact that it is musical theater. Um, so it starts playing Jesus Christ Superstar. And then Zava ends up bicycling, bicycle kicking it in like Pele, which Arlo had made a comment about Zava is a lot like Pele. If um, only if every other or uh, only if every letter were different, <laughs> which Chris is just kind of like, hmm? um, or did I just mix their names up? Some, I always feel like I mix their names up. Which one's Arlo White? Okay, Arlo asked that and Chris says it maybe. Um, yeah, Chris Chris is like, it's like Pele if every letter was different. Um, so anyway, at this point, and they were like, it's a hat trick for Zava. Uh, you're like, and with that, you know, they're on a six game. Oh, no, sorry. That's when they play Brentford next. So it. So after the stoppage time win at Man U, even Jamie is cheering until Zava whips his shirt off and he's, and Jamie sees that Zava has this back tattoo, a la, you know, a little bit like the Ben Affleck Phoenix uh, terrible tattoo. But this time it's it's Zava tattooed, like in, doing the stance where he's just got his arms raised out and he has like, you know, like the biblical kind of sun rays looking down upon him with the superstar song going as well during this time. Rupert is at his house with the baby and Bex and he just yells, fuck it. You can tell. I love it. I love that Rupert's getting upset by this. And then at home against Brentford, Arlo and Chris are saying it's six wins um, on the bounce for Richmond. They move to three behind Man City is one and West Ham is two. Roy asked Trent if... Like, they're coming in after a win. And he goes, did you ever think your book would be a fucking fairy tale? And Sam invites everyone to the soft opening to the restaurant. And then everyone's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. we're still a few weeks away from officially opening. So, you know, tame your response. But it is going to be an open bar. Everyone starts cheering again. At this point, Zava with Danny behind him. Danny now has his hair, all of his hair pulled up into a man bun like Zava. And he tries doing the same moves that Zava's doing, the same gesturing. Zava comes in thinking that everyone's cheering for him. And then the boys turn around, see Zava, and they're like, Zava, Zava, Zava. But it's like, okay, but the boys weren't cheering for you at first. They were cheering because of then. It is officially restaurant night. The new chef, which I, I'm going to assume, we're going to call her Simmy for now. I hope. Uh she and Sam standing there. He's very nervous. And she says, hey, don't serve my food with a face like that. He laughs. And uh, she's like, you know, good luck. He goes out. He's serving to everyone. All of the boys are there. Isaac tells him, this is the best moi I've ever had. He grabs Sam by the collar, yanks him in. And he's like, I'm being serious right now. Zoro's just kind of like, okay. And Sam's like, okay. Uh, Danny asks if Zava is coming because he made him a friendship bracelet, which I just think is super cute. I have a feeling Danny's going to get his heart broken by this man. 
I don't want to say what my theory is quite yet, but we're almost there. Um, and the theory that I heard, and then I'm like, oh, you know, evidence would point that that could be the case. Michael walks in, uh, calling Colin's name. They clap backs. They're just like very, you know, the bro, like pat pat, one arm side hug kind of thing. And then Colin introduces him saying, boyos, this is my pal, Michael world's greatest wingman and michael says yeah tough gig hello young lady my friend's professional footballer may i spend all night talking to your cross-eyed friend while he hits on you poorly colin what is this why are we doing this i mean i guess if michael's cool with it whatever um what is what are we doing here why are we doing this why Keely asks Rebecca if she plans on going back to Tish. Rebecca's adamant and she says, if I wanted to be scammed out of all of my money, I'd become obsessively religious. I just feel like this episode's going to really upset certain people uh, that like may have previously watched Ted Lasso. They're going to be like, no, absolutely not. No. Sassy shows up, which is a nice surprise. I was wondering where we were going to get Sass. And they're all like, Sassy. And then uh, Sam comes up and he's like, ladies, thank you so much for coming out. So he's like, you know, come by whenever. And thank you so much for supporting the restaurant and everything. You all look amazing, blah, blah, blah. He walks away. Sassy looks at Rebecca and she goes, you are such a twat. And then she's like, so is Ted here? Rebecca looks at Keely. Okay, well, she either says it now or she says it in a couple minutes. She's like, told you. Uh, or no, maybe that's when Sassy's like, I'm gonna take a lap. Um, I just... Uh, I don't know. They keep because we keep getting these sassy Ted moments. And it's not that I don't like sassy and Ted together. It just doesn't feel right. I I don't know. But then like, would it upset sassy if Rebecca and Ted end up together? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Beard and Ted are sitting at their own table together. Beard goes, hey, you want another beer? And because the waitress comes up, he's like, coach, you want a beer? And Ted, with, like, so he's asked if he wants a beer. He goes, Michelle and Henry went horseback riding with Dr. Jacob today. Beard looks at the waitress and he says, we'll take two shots of whiskey, a single and a double, a triple, two. <laughs> she walks away. Jane then appears, shouting, Weinstein's cock. Are you cheating on me? And Beard says, yeah, I am with you. She pounces on him, like just like straddles and pounces him. They start making out. And uh, Ted's like, y'all just push each other's buttons. You know, like you just get each other so well, don't you? And he's just sitting there. I'm still just so very confused about the whole Jane situation. I feel like, you know, Beard would need someone weird like Jane, but Jane just also just feels really, really weird. Also, I love how, and I haven't noticed it in the rewatch, but like when we first meet Beard, he only ever has a baseball hat on. And then he changes over to the flat cap I know I don't think that's the proper name for it um, because he says because Jane's like, oh, put this hat on. It looks so much better on you. Now, here we are in season three and he goes between both. 
But I think in game time, he does change back to the baseball hat in general and matches. And I just happened to miss it before. But um, I don't know. It feels more prevalent now that he switches back and forth. Like when he's with the boys, like or when he's with the men, when he's with Ted and Roy and stuff, like, he's got baseball hat on. And I feel like it lends to this subtle... Where, because he tells Ted, like, oh, I would tell Jane you said hi, but she's still very threatened by our relationship. I swear to God, if that woman ever did anything to break them up, I would be livid. So, um, Roy is sitting with a group of people, but he sees Jamie sitting alone. And so he sits down next to, he, like, he gets up, sits down next to Jamie, and Jamie goes, what the fuck do you want? And Roy says, well, you frowning while we're on a win streak is a bad look. Jamie goes, you frowned your whole career? And Roy says, no, I never smiled. That's different. Um, Zava then appears. And Jamie does this, like, weird look around the corner. Like, he doesn't want anyone to see him sitting there sulking alone, being a precious moments figurine. <laughs> and then he says, fuck's sake, there he is. God's gift to those who have everything. It's like, okay, Jamie, you're pouting right now. And Roy says, best player on the team. Jamie says, fuck off. And Roy says, it's true. You used to be the best. Now you're not. It happens. And he, again, Roy just has that patent signature, like, head bobbing along where he's like, it happens. You know, like, it happened to Roy. And Jamie says, you thought I was the best? Roy rolls his eyes saying, yeah. And then he says, I mean... You could, you still could be if you weren't such a prima donna. And Jamie, again, where did Jamie get these smarts? He goes, did you just call me a prima donna? Or he goes, yeah. And Jamie goes, it's prima donna. Who the fuck even says that? What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> and I didn't catch it at first until I had the subtitles on. And then he really does say pre-Madonna instead of pre-Madonna. And Roy goes, well, it means before Madonna, female vocalists didn't have to work that hard. Jamie goes, are you mad? Have you never heard of Tina Turner? Fucking Stevie Nicks. <laughs> and Roy goes, fuck you. Point is, he's the best player on the team. And right now, all you got to do is try and keep up with them. Jamie goes, fuck that. I don't want to just keep up with him. I want to be better than him. They both sigh. Roy says, I could train you, but only if you fucking mean it. And Jamie goes, yeah, I fucking, or he's like, yeah, I do mean it. Roy nods. Jamie asks when they start. Roy slaps this meatball out of Jamie's hand. Like Jamie's got a meatball on a fork and he's lifting it up and Roy just slaps it out of his hand. It splats on the tile wall behind them in the middle of them. And he says, right fucking now. A waitress comes by, which that might be Simi. I'm hoping not. Uh, comes by and she goes, come on, man. And Roy says, so sorry. We'll take care of that. And then he looks at Jamie and goes, we start tomorrow, 4 a.m. Clean that up. <laughs> and walks away in only the way that Roy can. Um, I love this. I love the character growth. I love the arc, the character arc between Roy and Jamie. Because at first Roy's like... You know, it makes me sick that everyone loves you the way that they do. And, in, you know, he has the incurable decision of condition of being, no, what's he say? Like, um, 
I hope he dies of the incurable condition of being a miserable prick. Is that what he says on Soccer Saturday to the boys when he goes back to Man City? Um, anyway, Sassy tells the girls that she's going to do a lap. And if Ted has already gone, that I'm telling you right now, I will be attempting to scale Mount Zava. Well, he's married. So, and there's going to be another point. So we're going to talk about it now because now Shandy. And so the girls are like, okay, like, good luck. And when she, maybe it is when she asks if Ted's there. Um, Rebecca looks at Keely and says, told you. Um, so anyway, Shandy comes over, sits down across from Safa. They both have cheetah print on. She, she, do they both have cheetah jackets on? Anyway, he has a cheetah jacket on. Underneath, he has a shirt that says Zava and Zava and Zava and Zava and Zava, like instead of, you know, uh, like anyone else. Um, and she looks at Zava and tells, introduces herself, says that she does PR for the club. And she goes, it's so great. You've come down here, but don't be a dick. Show some love on your socials. Yeah. And Zava just looks at her and says, I like your confident energy. It's off-putting. I just want to ask, is this some kind of foreshadowing? Because he's married. Yeah, like he has a wedding ring on. The whole point why he wanted to come to England was because his wife watched The Office and loved it so much she wanted to move there. But first we have Sassy being like, look, I'm going to go look for Ted. But if he's not there, I am telling you I'm going to try to cl climb Mount Zava. But he, he's married. And then Shandy here and with the two cheetah prints on. I have an inkling. So Rebecca and Keely are watching Shandy and Zava talk. And Rebecca asks how Shandy's doing and asks if she's fitting in. And Keely says, oh, she's great. I love how not shy she is. Now, I read a, I read a theory. I don't want to say rumor because it wasn't a rumor. It was a theory of someone who watches Ted Lasso who said her friend thought that Zava was going to kind of leave at a pivotal moment. Like Rupert was going to do something to get Zava to leave and go to West Ham. And they were all going to freak out, but it was going to be fine because Roy was coaching Jamie. And so Jamie was going to end up being able to beat Zava. I mean, <laughs> that feels really plausible. But now I want to add on to that with this whole cheetah cheetah thing going on here. I mean, like cheetah, cheater, cheetah. Um, is Shandy actually really that close with Keely, or is there a chance that Rupert and Nate, trying to also undercut Richmond, you know, through Keely? by getting Shandy to come work for them. And so it would be like Shandy and Zava leaving at this like pivotal moment and going over to West Ham. I don't know. The Zava thing feels very plausible. The Shandy thing is just a hunch, just a thought, like just an idea, just an inkling that in her mind of trying to be like Kaylee, she would do something like that and be like, oh, but this was my shot. But maybe not. Maybe she's really close with Keely and she would never do that. I don't know. Um, Sam and the chef are laughing, talking together. Rebecca watches. Keely sees Rebecca watching. And then Roy leaves and Keely watches him as Shandy 
uh, like on Shandy moves on to Jamie. No one's even paying attention to this because Keely's watching Roy. Rebecca sees Keely watching Roy leave, and then she, um, Keely looks at Rebecca and goes, "Oi, there are better things ahead than any we leave behind." And Rebecca goes, "Oh." And again, that is such a good line. They cheers. They have a drink. But I'm, I'm just like, no, you you and Roy are endgame. You're endgame? Like, okay, is this where we're calling time on the Sam and Rebecca relationship? Because I'm okay with that. But Roy and Keely, no, you need to end up together. Back over to Zava. We're almost done. Uh, he goes to leave. Sam comes up and says, thank you so much for coming. That really means a lot. And Zava goes, oh, where do you source your avocados from? Because as we know from the last episode when Higgins was trying to figure out who Zava was going to sign with, and it was someone who runs uh, Zava's avocado farm, Sam says, well, West African cuisine doesn't typically feature a lot of avocados. He's very confused. And Zava says, not yet. And he leaves. Again... Because there are never one-offs for Ted, ever. Like The smallest thing feels so important in this show. So, again, I'm, I'm so interested. I'm so interested to see how this all really, truly plays out. The girls are doing shots. Uh, Sassy catches Ted. She asks how he is. And he says, well, I'm fine. I'm good. And he goes, well, my ex-wife is dating our ex-marriage counselor. So, you know, that's new. Sassy. Sassy is shocked. She goes, wow, that's borderline unethical. And he goes, yeah, well, I mean, it all started a year and a half after we were seeing him. So I guess that's, you ever have anything like that happen with you and a client? And Sassy goes, Ted, I'm a child psychologist. And he goes, right, right, right. And she goes, so yes, twice. I mean, it's an inappropriate job. Classic sass. And that's what he says. He says, classic sass. She goes, classic me. Sassy is so confident and so sass, but, you know, when she's around Ted, she just becomes this very, like, you know, oh, I don't know what to say. And, you know, she's like, oh, Marlboro Man. He's like, sassy Smurf. Um, But yeah, like, poor Ted. And I don't, again, I'm like, okay, so are we just taking that he and Michelle talked and so we're not actually going to get Michelle's poor ass, shit ass excuse for how this all happened because I know I just simply don't care of all the fucking men, Michelle. I cannot. Oh my God. I cannot get over that. Of all the men in Kansas. And I get it. There's probably not a lot, but fuck you. <laughs> the biggest, the biggest F you possible to her. Um, okay. The chef tells Sam that she got him a surprise. He goes, oh my gosh, what is it? Thank you so much. He looks at it. He's like, oh, this is so beautiful. And she goes, okay, well, you know, go pass them around. Me, I'm not thinking anything, right? So he starts passing them out. He gets to Rebecca and Keely and he gives a, and Keely's like, oh, this is so pretty. Rebecca looks down. It's a green matchbook. And Rebecca's like, it's a green matchbook. And then she takes Keely's shot out of her hand, doesn't. She's like, another round? Yeah, another round. And Keely's like, okay. Then she goes, are you okay? She's like, yes, I will be. 
I think that this is a, okay. And people were pointing this out as well on Twitter. So when banter is going and we don't know who Rebecca is talking to at first and she's told Keely like, oh, I'm talking to this guy on banter and he seems really great. And we don't know anything about him. At the same time as she's texting on the phone, we show Ted and Ted is also texting on the phone. And for a moment, you're like, oh my God, it's each other. And then it turns out that it's Sam. I think we're, I, I feel like we're in the opposite now. So, you know, we have this moment where like, oh, it's Sam, but it's actually going to turn out to be Ted. I don't know. Again, and again, I'm like, I, but is Ted the right one for her? I don't know. Or like, is, is she the right one for Ted? Because frankly, Ted deserves the freaking world. <sighs> Michelle, oh my God, I just need to know. I need to know what Keely and Rebecca and Higgins exclusively think about this whole Michelle thing because it's driving me insane. Trent goes to leave. He also thanks Sam for inviting him. Sam says, you know, thanks so much for coming out. The song Everybody Knows starts playing and Trent's just confidently walking out. It's nighttime. I'm immediately like, oh God, Rupert's going to pop out of the shadows or something. Again, nothing... I'm too innocent. I'm too naive. I'm not thinking anything about this. Trent's just confidently walking. And then it pans over to Colin and Michael kissing on a wall. Like they're, they're up against a wall, like on a side street. Not really. Not, I mean, not like a side side street, not like an alleyway where you, ah, I just dropped my phone. <laughs> not like some big side or like tiny, you know, small side where you're kind of like, wait, who is that? And like, oh, they're hiding. I mean, they were like pretty out there in the open. I mean, like anyone walking down the main thoroughfare is going to see them. So again, I, I say like, I thought we all knew. Um, it's, and that's how it ends. It just ends with Trent seeing this and then continuing to walk on with, and everybody knows. Like, yeah, like I did. I thought we all knew. I, I don't think, I mean, because Trent doesn't write for the newspaper anymore. So it's not like this would be, it's not like he's in a position to write this story of like, quote unquote, outing Colin. I mean, if Colin hasn't come out, then yeah, I would be outing Colin from this. Okay, I'm just going to Google how many openly gay men are in the Premier League. I feel and like because then you also have the Champions League, so huh? Oh, that in England's okay. Get oh okay. Written December twenty six, twenty twenty two, for the Daily Express. Gay footballer explains what stops Premier League stars coming out. Oh okay, what does this say? Uh, Co oh, Colin Martin has opened up on the barriers that may be stopping gay players in the Premier League from publicly coming out. Okay. San Diego loyal midfielder Colin Martin believes that a number of pressing factors may be preventing gay Premier League players from coming out and feeling comfortable about being themselves in the public eye. There are currently no openly gay players in England's top flight, although Blackpool youngster Jake Daniels 
became the first male professional footballer in the UK since Justin Fashionu to come out back in May. Plenty of progress has been made regarding homosexuality and football over the last few years, but the subject remains somewhat taboo and there is still work to be done in order to continue breaking down the stigma at all levels from the Premier League down to grassroots. Martin, who came out as gay back in 2018, believes that almost anything can contribute to players not wanting to publicly reveal their sexualities, including their family situations, the advice given by their representatives, or negative attitudes from teammates and coaches. You never know what the barrier is going to be because it really could be anything. I've talked in my own personal story that growing up in the church was really hard for me. So that was a barrier I had to overcome. That was the biggest obstacle between me and my parents. Um, hmm. Okay. So I guess maybe this is the whole like Colin that because there are no openly gay members playing for the, like in the real world. So Ted Lasso wants to, shine a lot of light on this and talk about it, which I think is really great because I can't imagine hiding your true self in that way. But like, especially because this Michael person he appears to be close with, like doesn't seem to be like a one-off kind of relationship. And then he's here like, oh, like playing this wingman, like, oh yes. And you know, like, um, you know, is it okay if I hang out with your, uh, like, hello young lady, is it okay if I talk to your cross-eyed friend while my while he hits on you poorly like I I kind of hate that for Michael too like okay well if you are in a relationship like I hate that you can't talk about it or you feel like you can't talk about it so yeah but like do I think Trent's gonna out Colin no I I thought we all I thought Trent was gay is Trent not gay and maybe Trent's gonna talk to Colin and because maybe Trent is gay And then he and Colin, I don't know. Um, But it was an interesting story. Like, I love that we actually got this person like Colin as somewhat of a main figure storyline. And seeing as how this is a three season show and now we're in this final season. So obviously we focus on Ted and then we focused on Keely in the second episode. Now we have Colin in the third episode. I feel like we're definitely going to have to have a Sam. We're going to have to have a Nate. We're going to have to have a Roy. I feel like we're going to have to have another beard. I don't know. The beard episode was probably my least favorite of season two. Um, I don't know. Higgins. Um, Rebecca. Okay. Who does that leave? That's big. Did I say Sam? I think I said Sam. I don't like, are we going to get an Isaac? Cause like, well, we had an Isaac episode in season two with the rom communism getting Roy in. So I don't know. Oh, are we going to get a Richard? I don't know. A Zero? Um, a Danny? Oh, maybe a Danny episode? Oh, Jamie. Did I say Jamie? Like, we're going to have to have a Jamie episode. I don't know. Maybe. I wonder if the episodes are kind of leaning towards a more like each person has their own or like each episode kind of helps focus on a different character trying to bring out their final or like bring out their kind of little story arc here okay leaning into next week 
which the promo photo is Rupert with that stupid Matrix style black trench coat standing in between Nate and Ted. Nate's got the serious face in his all black suit and Ted has a smile on his face as Ted. It's called Big Week and it says everyone's feeling the pressure as Richmond gear up to play West Ham. Ted is reunited with an old friend. Are we calling Nate Shelley a friend? Because we're... Okay, cast. Is there anyone else in the cast here that's not normally in the other episodes? Let's take a quick peek. Sam, Danny, Isaac, Colin, Trent, Keeley, Michelle. Oh, oh. Michelle's going to be in it. Okay, May, Badge, Jeremy, Paul, Barbara, Zava, Sassy, Shandy, Jade, whoever, Jade looks familiar, but I don't, okay, Zoro, Richard, Bumbercatch, Jan Moss, Will, Arlo, Chris, Disco, okay, yeah, that's West Ham, oh, wait, is Jade the West Ham person? No, Miss Cakes, don't know her, Bex, right? Okay, Derek, Arnold, Lloyd, Jeremy, Rebecca Lowe. I think that's like a person in real life. Uh, yeah, Rebecca Lowe playing Rebecca Lowe. Okay, Chloe, Dan, Johnny. Okay, then lots of uncredited people. I don't know. I don't see. Like, if I have to see Michelle's dumb face, which apparently I'm going to, or at least we're going to have to hear her on the phone. I hate. Oh, my God. Who plays her? I feel like it's something where I just, I hate it so much that, like, if I see her in anything else, I'm just really like, Michelle. Andrea Anders. She was in that 70s show? Oh, she's in that 90s show. Oh, she was in Spirited. Yeah, I didn't watch that big shot that was on Disney+. Plus. Hmm. Okay. I don't know her in anything offhand, which is good. Oh, she was in the Stepford Wives, played Heather. She was a Stepford Wife. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, yeah, anyway, very much looking forward to next week's episode. It would be nice to see Ted and Nate in the same place again. And I don't know, I feel like they play more than one time. So I feel like West Ham's probably going to get the first win. And then they'll come back and win in the end. I don't know. I don't know. And that is it. That's everything about 451 plus a look ahead to next week's episode called Big Week. <sighs> Need to decompress now after that. It was just a lot. Also, because just knowing that this is the final season of Ted Lasso, like actually knowing that now, it's really hard. Oh, my goodness. But I, I do really very much want to put um, sell yourself tall, then alter yourself later. <laughs> I, that will end up also on a banner, just like we're surrounded by Pope. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I do. I will get around to it. I promise. Until next week, remember, there are no bad hair days. Unless your name is Michelle, and then I hope you have all of them. All of the bad hair days. Uh, I'll see you guys next week.